welcome to the 106th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. It's been a while since my last episode. I've been moving. I broke my arm and a lot of other drama that I won't uh, burden you with, but um, I'm back now, and um, hopefully I'll be able to do a few more of these in the future. So this week we are talking about the Blair Witch franchise. There are three movies total. Most people only know about the first one. So the first one, Blair Witch Project from 1999, directed, written, and edited by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez. This movie is credited with creating the found footage subgenre. And I remember back in the day, people were not initially sure if these three kids in the movie actually had disappeared. The viral marketing campaign worked very well since it was the early days of the Internet and you couldn't easily track down people. The creators insisted that the film was real and even had IMDb listing the three as missing. The second movie is Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Well, technically, I think it's Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2 from 2000. So one year later, directed and co-written by Joe Burlier, starring... Jeffrey Donovan, you'll remember him from Burn Notice, Law and Order, Shut Eye, that was an Amazon original um, series, so uh, that's pretty good if you ever want to check that out. Also starring Stephen Barker Turner, Kim director Erica Layson, she was in 2003's Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Wrong Turn 2. And this movie is a film within a film. It had a budget of $15 million and a box office of... 47.7 47.7 million. And the last movie is just called Blair Witch from 2016, so 16 years later, sometimes referred to as Blair Witch 3. It ignores the events of the second movie, directed by Adam Wingard, and he also directed uh, Death Note, The Guest, Godzilla vs. King Kong, etc. It was written by Sam, sorry, uh, Simon Barrett. And it stars James Allen uh, McCoon, Callie Hernandez, Brandon Scott, and Valerie Curry. There are some associated materials that go along with these movies, so I want to make sure to mention those. They include, um, there's a movie called The Curse of the Blair Witch, which is a fictional documentary about Blair Witch and the Three Missing Students. There's The Woods from 2015. It's a behind-the-scenes look at the creation of the movie. Um, There's Shadow of the Blair Witch, which was released on Sci-Fi in conjunction with the second film. There are some video games. um, Rustin Parr, The Legend of Coffin Rock, The Ellie Kedward Tale. There are some books. The Blair Witch Project, a dossier. Blair Witch, The Secret Confessions of Rustin Parr. And several young adult books. There's comics. There are a number of YouTube um, videos about these movies. Including a kill count. Ten questions about Blair Witch. Everything wrong with the Blair Witch Project. 
and another number of others about the mythology of the movies. Where to find these movies? The first and second movies are on Hulu, and the third, Blair Witch, is on Netflix. The Curse of Blair Witch is on Tubi, and The Shadow of Blair Witch is on YouTube. And each movie is also available on Amazon or YouTube for $4 each. None of these are on Shudder. Rotten Tomatoes, first Blair Witch, critics gave it 86, audiences gave it a 56, so that's pretty good. Blair Witch 2, critics gave it a 14, audiences gave it an 18, so that's not good. And lastly, plain old Blair Witch, 37% by critics, 31% by audiences, so that's a step up from 2, but still not that great. So the plot is pretty straightforward. In 1994, three film students, Heather, Michael, and Joshua, head into the Black Hill Woods near Burkittsville, Maryland, to investigate the folk legend of the Blair Witch. As the story goes, the town was previously named Blair. In 1785, Ellie Kidward was accused of taking blood from some of the local children and of being a witch. The town's folks tied her up in the woods and left her there to die in the wintertime. Then a number of people from the town started disappearing, including her accusers. Everyone uh, soon abandoned the town, and it was later resettled as Burkittsville. Heather, Michael, and Josh disappear and are never found despite extensive searching. The only thing left was their car parked in the woods entrance. A year later, the film footage was supposedly found, and that's what we see in the movie. To compound the mystery, before entering the woods, the locals tell the three about Rustin Parr, who in the 1940s kidnapped seven children and killed them in the basement by twos by making one of the two children stand in the corner with his face to the wall while he killed the other one. The locals tell them that the woods are haunted and to keep out, but do they listen? Nope. So that's really the second movie. The third movie, the first, as we said, is found footage. The second, um, not really found footage. So, Book of Shadows, Blair Witch 2. Tourists descend upon Burkittsville in search of the Blair Witch. One local decides to cash in on the craze by doing Blair Witch tours. He takes them to Rustin Parr's house where they spend the night, but they don't remember anything that happened the night before. And then strange supernatural stuff starts happening. The movie jumps around a lot, and it's really hard to tell what's real and what's not. Um, and lastly, plain old Blair Witch ignores the events of the second film, as we said, follows James, who is the younger brother of Heather from the first movie. He goes in search of her with his three friends, and you can guess what happens. Yep, they get lost. Strange designs made out of twigs appear. Uh, they hear sounds while they're in their tents at night. Then people start disappearing one by one. And they eventually find the people that are left rest in Parr's house, just like in the first movie. So trivia. I'm not going to read all of this. Obviously, most of it's on the first movie, but I'll just jump around a little bit. The film is in the Guinness Book. The first film is in the Guinness Book of World Records for top budget box office ratio for a mainstream 
feature film. The film cost $60,000 to make and made back $248 million, a ratio of $1 spent for every $10,931 made. That's a good chunk of change. Heather Donahue's mother received sympathy cards from people believing that her daughter had actually been killed. The directors kept in touch with Heather, Michael, and Joshua, and let's just say now they used their real names in the movie, via walkie-talkies to ensure that the three would not become lost during their trek. Reportedly, they got lost at least three times. To promote discord among the actors, the directors deliberately gave them less food each day of shooting. Uh, the Blair Witch was supposed to be seen in the movie. As the characters were running out of their tents, Heather yells, Oh my God, what's that? Uh, the cameraman was supposed to pan to the left where the audience would briefly see a woman wearing a white gown in the distance, but the cameraman forgot to pan to the left and the scene was not reshot. The three leads believe the Blair Witch was a real legend during the filming, though of course they knew the film was going to be fake. Only after the film's release did they discover that the entire mythology was made up by the film's creators. Heather has faced considerable backlash as a result of her role, including threatening encounters and, a difficult, and difficulty finding employment. She retired from acting in 2008 to pursue a career in medical cannabis. Uh, numerous fans were so convinced of the Blair Witch existence that they flocked to Maryland in hopes of discovering the legend. They apparently did not re read the closing credits of the movie. It took eight days to shoot the film, but eight months to edit it. The actors were given no more than the 35-page outline of the mythology behind the plot before shooting began. All the lines were improvised, and nearly all of the events in the film were unknown to the three actors beforehand, and they were often on-camera surprises to them all. Um, let's see. The actors were requested to interview the townsfolk who often, unbeknownst to the actors, were planted by the directors. As a result, the expression on the actors' faces were unrehearsed. The sign seen for Burkittsville at the beginning of the movie has been stolen three times. Heather Donahue told Fangora Magazine that the final scene was so terrifying for her she kept hyperventilating and crying long after the shot was over. Um, there's a couple of entries about how the uh, actors don't get along, but that was uh, encouraged by the directors on purpose to create tension in the film. Each of the three were required to sign a release, granting production permission to mess with your head, quote, mess with your head. The most powerful example of this probably is the late night tent attack. Neither of the three actors knew it was coming, and their terror, confusion, and fight or flight responses were genuine. Many of the, I think it's, uh, let's see, F-U-T-H-A-R-K, FUDARK, 
runes seen in the old house are reversed, which has a special meaning. A reversed rune implies a dark or negative fate for the person who reads them. Um, and I already said this, but basically one of the first theatrical releases to make use of a large-scale viral marketing campaign, which claimed that the three characters had really gone on a trip to shoot the documentary and were never seen again. The first cut of the movie was 2.5 hours, nearly twice the final length. I don't think I could have sat through that. Miramax passed on the opportunity to acquire and distribute the movie. The decision was made by executive Jason Bloom, who we know has formed Bloomhouse. He later became famous for producing another extremely profitable found footage film known as Paranormal Activity. The film was originally planned to include both the story of the missing students as well as the aftermath of their disappearance. The found footage of the trio would be framed by newscast and the search for them, as well as interviews with family and friends and experts. Most of this material was cut out during editing for feeling contrived and too scripted in favor of focusing completely on the story of the three students. Much of the deleted material can, was later used in the viral marketing campaign. Uh, when promoting the film, the producers claimed it was real footage, as we said before. The production company, Haxon Films, borrowed its name from Benjamin Christensen's witchcraft documentary, Haxon, from 1922. A Haxon is Swedish for the witch. The house used in the Rustin, as the Rustin Parr house for the ending scenes was the Griggs house, which was located in a state park some 50 miles east of Burkittsville, built sometime in the mid-1800s and renovated in the early 20th century. The house had been left abandoned, vandalized, and decaying for several months as the surrounding woods had grown around it. They eventually tore the house down. People tried to save it, but that was short-lived. Uh, Heather Donahue also said in the Bangor magazine that her first question that she asked to the director upon arriving at the set is if they were planning to make a snuff film. And we already talked a little bit about the runes that were in the house, but it also contained a mixture of two different alphabets, Hebraic and Fatark. Hebraic runes were went on to become ancient Hebrew. Fatark runes are Proto-European dating from the first millennium BC. Sorry, I don't know anything about runes. Uh, some theater goers were made sick by the 
uh, jarring of the handheld cameras. And in one Toronto theater, ushers act patrons who were prone to motion sickness to sit in the aisle seat and to try not to throw up on other people. An earlier idea for the ending would have revealed that either the fisherman or his son-in-law, which there's a quick uh, scene of them in the movie, would be pranking the main characters all along, but this was rejected for sounding too similar to Scooby-Doo. The story was originally intended to be three male filmgoers, filmmakers lost in the woods. However, the directors were so impressed with Heather's audition for the role that they decided to cast her as the lead filmmaker with two male assistants. One of the drop messages to the actors from the directors reeled, revealed to Mike that he was the one who was to destroy the map. He improvised on the spot to kick it into the river and thought... Heather and Josh had seen him do it. Mike carried the information, this information to him, kept this information to himself for much of that day's filming before finding the right moment to reveal it to the other two. After the first 13 minutes, no characters other than Heather, Josh, and Mike are seen in the film. During the scene where Heather finds a bundle of tied sticks, producer-designer Ben Rock was looking on to see her reaction when she looked inside. She didn't open the bundle, but instead threw it away. Rock conveyed that back to the production team, who stepped it up to tell her to go back and look inside. The teeth inside the bundle were from Sanchez's dentist and from castings. The hair was from Joshua Leonard. So that's when the first guy disappears and she finds a bundle of something. The scene with the three sitting around the campfire is probably the most expensive few seconds in the film as the production had to get the rights for Josh to sing the Gilligan's Island theme song. The working title of the movie was The Black Hills Project. Okay, and I could go on, but I think that covers the major stuff. You get the gist of it. Um, let's see if there's any good spoiler stuff. Oh, the film was originally of a much higher resolution, but was degraded deliberately to look more authentic to the time it was shot. The close-up of Heather's face as she tapes her farewell video were unintentional. She didn't do that on purpose. Um, and let's see what we got for Blair Witch 2. Not that much, but unhappy with Joe Berlinger's version of the film, Artisan opted to reshoot certain scenes to add more traditional horror elements and recut the movie to make it more commercial. He repeatedly states on DVD commentary that he doesn't like the changes that were made and they ruined the ambiguity 
of the plot that he had envisioned. This was his feature film, as well as the only film that he has directed until Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile, which is available on Netflix about Ted Bundy. That's a good, um, it's a good show. Check it out. And that was done 19 years later. Several hidden images or words, faces, and stick figures throughout the feature are uh, available. The movie features a hidden message, if it's watched closely. Erica Learson had originally auditioned for Kim Director's role, and, uh, but they later switched it. Although the film was poorly received, it was a box office success technically and has a large cult following. And I'm not going to read the rest of this. You can check it out see what you think. Let's see. Is there anything on the third movie that we want to go over? It's basically a retread of the first movie, just with different people. Um, the creature with elongated limbs was later revealed by Simon Barrett to actually be one of the victims of Blair Witch, not the Blair Witch itself, although stuntwoman Brenna Watkins is still credited as the Blair Witch stunt double. Uh, at 1 hour 17 minutes, as Lisa runs frantically upstairs to the attic, she's brief, briefly picks up, is briefly picked up in the mirror with her camera. This reflection is the image Jane finds of James finds of Heather at the beginning of the film that convinces him to investigate the woods. Body count in this movie is six. The body count in the first movie is three, and the body count in the second movie, I don't who knows. Due to how it's written, it's hard to tell what really happened and what didn't, as we said. See so if there's anything else in here. Uh, you'll just have to check it out for yourself, like I said. But there is a strange thing about... Um, time travel in here and that's how uh, when they first go through the woods and they can't they never find Reston Parr's house but later they find it um, so it's an interesting idea and that ties in with the third movie what I just read okay let's see so why well, watch these movies even though Hannibal Holocaust is technically considered the first found footage movie, Blair Witch was the first mainstream success. And, as we said, it led the way for other found footage movies, including Paranormal Activity, that franchise, Cloverfield, Troll Hunters, VHS, 
uh, rec, etc. If Blair Witch was released today, it would not be as successful because it's not that hard to figure out um, that Michael, Heather, and Joshua are still alive and doing other stuff. The future of the franchise. There was talk this year of rebooting the franchise by Lionsgate, who now owns the rights, and possibly making a TV series, but more just stay tuned for that. I don't know of any more information. And that's really it. No recipe for this week, since it took me so long to do this one, but I would suggest... Uh, really just watching the first movie. You really don't need to watch the second or the third movie to get a gist of what's going on. And then watch some of the supporting materials because those um, are actually the information about the legend of the Blair Witch is more interesting than the actual film. So where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright, or contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com, or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com. So, again, sorry it took so long to do this one. Hopefully the next one will be a lot quicker. Until then, stay safe, stay out of the woods, and definitely stay away from the Blair Witch. <laughs>